0: Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream, men. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Matthew 7 and one in Matthew 10. We are in part three of our series called Dominant Force. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, in part one, we just kind of laid down the basis for why we would even do a series called Dominant Force by defining clearly what, what that means. What is a dominant force. A dominant force is someone or something that is more powerful and more influential in a given space than any other thing. Now, how does that relate to you and me? Well, that's why we're doing this this series. In the space of your life, God declares in his word that he desires to be the most dominant force in your life. When we read the Bible, it talks about our commitment to God. He uses words like all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, right? He said, Jesus says things like, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? He unapologetically just says, follow me, deny yourself. I mean, those are strong terms Strong calls, strong commissions, because he wants to be the dominant force in your life. And so that's what we did in part one, if you're joining us for the first time. We just laid down the basis. So if you if you didn't see that, go back, watch part one. In part two through five, what we're exploring is a little message that Jesus gives to his guys, where he gives reasons to his men to keep him the most influential force in their lives because their commitment to him in the spaces and places where they would find themselves would be tested right they could give in to fear and his place in their lives would be diluted it would be diminished and their faith would be replaced by fear right or because of what he shares with them. They could, in the moment of pressure, not give in to fear, but remember what he said, and in faith, keep him number one, right? And so, in part two, we looked at the first reason he gave them uh, not to dilute him as the number one influence, the number one authority, and the number one controller of their lives and that that first reason w- related to a certain future reality that shaped their present energy here on earth under pressure and in part two it was the first of those four certain future realities that should shape their present energy and that certain future reality is is that Christ likeness that they would become like their teacher uh, was going to prevail. An authentic follower versus a synthetic follower becomes like Christ both in his character and in his experience. That's the process. And that process, God says, is going to prevail. He who began a good work in you is faithful to what? Complete it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day of Christ Jesus. Jesus said the student will become like his teacher. And so in part two, we looked at that. What does that mean? Well, Jesus died for sin, we die to sin. Jesus comes alive spiritually on earth for God's purposes. We we come alive spiritually for God's purposes. Jesus is seated at the right hand of power. We have full access to that power. Jesus suffers as the son of God. We suffer as a son of God. So for the authentic follower versus the synthetic follower of Jesus, that process uh, prevails, right? And Jesus remains the dominant force. Now, today, part three, all right, we're looking at the second future reality that Jesus says should shape our present commitment and our present energy for him that keeps him number one. And to get us thinking in the right direction, I want you to think about uh, something in your life. You, You could be, have been a kid at the time, or maybe even adult. I want you to think of a time in your life when you wanted something really, really bad. I mean, when I think back, when I was a kid, man, there was all the superhero gear I would pester and pester and pester my mom for. I would give reasons right and you would give reasons right i remember that that johnny bench catcher's mitt growing up man i had to have it or if i saw something with my eyes when we were out when i was out with my mom or shopping or at sporting goods store you know i mean whoa the 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 legal case <laughs> right that i would make i mean we do it as adults too guys come on let's be honest you know you see that piece of gear or something and the narrative that we develop and that becomes very elastic when it comes to the truth, right? The tactics we use, the stories of financial savings, or everybody has one. And this is so practical, you know, which is why we need to get the object of our desire, right? It's human nature, right? To create a narrative or a rationale to get what you want or to live the way you want. All right. So we all do it. Let's have a cup of honesty. When there's something that we really want or there's a way we want to live, we'll create a rationale, right? And we'll mess with the truth to create it. I mean, we take liberties, right? With the truth because our desire for that thing, it trumps the truth, right? And I remember my kids doing it. I remember me doing it, but here's the thing we all know. When people use words, right, to create energy or panic in another person, to get them to give in to what they want or to stop them from doing something they should do, right? uh, That never works out for the person listening, right? Because, they, they will either stretch the truth or be stretched by the truth, and the ends don't justify the means. And selling truth out is never good for anybody uh, or any situation. Now, in the New Testament, and we're going to look at this uh, in Matthew 10, Jesus told his guys that others would do this very thing, right? They would lie to them to get them to stop living for God, to living for Christ, following Christ. They wanted to dilute their, their commitment to Jesus. How specifically? They would tell lies about him, to ignite fear in them, and that fear then would take the place of Jesus in their faith, right? You see where we're going? He would stop being the dominant force and fear would become the dominant force. But, good news. That's why we're doing this series. Jesus fortified his men with some powerful words and promises of his own regarding, listen, how it would all play out in the end, all right? And based on those words, certain future realities in the end were gonna shape their loyalty and love for Jesus in the present, all Right? They wouldn't panic they wouldn't be disloyal, and listen to this, they would advance God's will under the pressure of lies. Wow. I mean, in the end, Jesus said the truth will prevail and that they would be victorious. So here's where we're going for part three, right? We're gonna look just in the Bible at how certain future realities motivate and shape our present choices, okay? Second, we're gonna look at that second reason right? That second future reality Jesus gives to his guys to stay loyal in the present. And then we're going to apply what Jesus says simply to our lives. So if you have the downloaded notes, and if you you haven't found that button and you're not aware of it, make sure you click the downloaded notes as we go through the men's live stream, because then you see the scriptures right there, you got the fill-ins right there, and go teach it to some men's group or use it with somebody that you're, you're working with, right? All right, so let's look at the top of those notes. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15 says this, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on Judgment Day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flame. So let's unpack this passage from 1 Corinthians again. It's just to kind of get us thinking as authentic believers that there are certain future realities that need to shape Our present energy. So let's just unpack that. The first thing that we see is the beginning of my life in Christ, right? The Apostle Paul is talking about how he became a Christian, he understood the gospel, and then he shares that gospel, and the foundation of your life centers on Jesus Christ. In what way? His person and his work. Okay, so what is a Christian? Well, the foundation of being a Christian is believing in the person of Christ, that he's God, and the work of Christ, right? His death on the cross for our sins. So, that's the meaning of being a Christian. It's someone who has believed in his person, that Jesus is God, that he's the Lord, and that he died on the cross for our sins, and he's our savior, he rescued us from sin and the penalty of sin, which is death, right? So when we place our faith in his person and work, we are saved and we begin an internal relationship um, with God. The second thing that we see after the beginning of our lives in Christ is the building, okay, of my life in Christ. The metaphor is construction. So all you construction guys are familiar with this. You lay the foundation. You pour the concrete. You got to have a super rock-solid foundation, and then you start building, building the house. Now, in the Bible, um, when the Bible talks about a house in the New Testament, it's talking about a life. So we're building our lives on the foundation of the person and work of Jesus Christ. But then there's a life in Christ that we build. Okay, our house. Okay, and. What we see is the building of our life in Christ. And specifically, we see we get to choose the materials. Okay? Now, if you've traveled at all or even in your own city, you know, you see houses that are really well-built and you see houses that are not really well-built. And that's Paul's point here. Just like, okay, you begin by believing in the person and work of Christ, the gospel. All right. But then you get to now start making choices and you get to choose the source materials of how you're going to build that life in God. All right. And you can use the good stuff, the strong stuff, or you can use the weak stuff. Why? Number three, we see the testing of what I have built. Right. So everybody who's a part uh, of this live stream everybody who will listen to it archived wherever you are just know this we all have limited time an unknown ending and a scheduled testing of our lives. What does that mean? It means that the life that you lived on earth and the choices that you made and the source Of the choices that you made. In other words, what did you, what was your reference point for making those choices? All of that is going to be put through, for lack of a better term, the God MRI, okay? And what comes out the other side is determined by the source uh, that you used. So in this passage, it's the good stuff, gold, silver, precious jewels, or it's the weak stuff that doesn't survive that testing before God on how you chose during your life here as a follower of Jesus. Now, you you can guess what the good stuff is, right? You're making choices based on the Bible, the Word, or you're making choices as a believer based on the world right? You're making choices based on on your identity in Christ or your image in the world. You see, that, that's the, the difference. One set of sources, the good stuff, that's going to survive that ultimate test. The other stuff, whew, it's going to be gone. That's what the, the passage says. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value if the work survives. And we get to the fourth point, and it's this, right? We see the reward or regret after testing. All right, so we have limited time, an unknown ending, a scheduled testing before God, where our life is put through a fiery test. And what is it testing? It's testing the source for our choices that we made and the choices themselves. Either we trusted ourselves or we trusted God's word. We listened to the Holy Spirit or we listened to our flesh, right? Either we listened to Christ or we listened to culture, okay? And there is a palpable feeling that we are going to have based on the source of our choice making here on earth and whether that was strong or weak. So we'll be, oh, you know, I should have I should have listened to my feelings less and and fear less and should have listened to my faith and scripture more in that moment. All right. So the admonition here, while we're still alive, while we have time, right, is to use the good, God-approved material materials, the ones that survive that test and receive the reward. The scripture says, but if the work is burned up the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames, right? Saved by the seat of your pants, right? So it doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven as a Christian. It just means that, you know, the work will be tested and you'll be and it will be reflected upon and it will be evaluated God's going to ask us, hey, what did you do with the life that I gave you? And how did you make your choices based on me or based on something else? Okay. Now, if you do that, you do choose the gold, silver, precious precious jewels, right? The stuff that lasts. Jesus, his example, his words. Um, Then there will be a reward. If not, there will be regret. Now, Jesus gets really specific, On this. So we read about this moment in the future. Certain future reality should shape our present energy. Jesus expands upon this in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. All right, here we go. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed on the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach when a storm rolled in and the waves came up. It collapsed like a house of cards. So there's pressure and testing now, okay? And there's pressure and testing in the future. So, and both are really in the future. So if you're an authentic believer, the encouragement here is to use the words of God as the source material to build your life on. That's what Jesus said. And if you use the words of God to build your life on, guide your choices, inform your mind, and then that gets expressed in your life if you work it in, like Jesus says, right? Put them into practice, right? Then when you get to that future testing moment before God, man, you're going you're gonna to receive an amazing reward right? Because you, in the moment, disciplined yourself by faith to rely on God's truth. And the truth of God prevails. And that's really the headline for part two. In part one, it was, if you're an authentic believer, likeness is going to prevail in your life. In part, in, in, in this, in this part, part three, what we're saying is that God's truth about everything prevails. So, don't compromise. right? Stand tall. Keep Jesus the dominant force in your life. So now we're going to look to Matthew 10. Remember that we looked in Matthew 10 last time. He's giving them reasons to keep him number one. And the first one was, you're going to become like me. The second one is in verses 26 and 27. He says this, Therefore, do not fear them, the people who will persecute you, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon uh, the housetops. Okay, so Jesus is saying that don't let man and the lies that he tells about you, where he'll lie to you, call you the devil, call you, uh, you know, label you, to try to get you to retreat and make Jesus maybe not the number one force in your life, maybe not even number two, maybe not even number three. Using the tactic of lies and fear, right? What does Jesus say to that? Don't be afraid of those guys, all right? Because guess what? The truth is going to prevail. The truth is going to come out. All right? Nothing Jesus says concealed that will not be revealed. All right? The truth is going to come out. You're going to be vindicated. You're going to be justified. All right? So, be bold. All right? What you hear from me, you you bring into the light, and what you hear me say to you in our private times, you go proclaim it on the housetop. So, we're going to apply this in 3 Uh, simple don'ts, right? We're going to talk about three don'ts and we're going to talk about three do's. In light of what Jesus says, the certain future reality is truth's going to prevail, God's truth. It's all going to come out. You're going to be vindicated. So while we're here, our present energy should be guided by some simple practices. And the first one uh, I want you to write down is don't play to people. Don't play to people right if the truth is going to come out live for an audience of one right the one that you're going to stand before the one that's going to test your life the one who, whose opinion is the only one that matters and the bible is emphatic about that it says this in proverbs 29 it says fearing people is a dangerous trap but trusting the lord means safety many seek the ruler's favor but justice comes from the lord ultimate justice from the lord should be the guiding force in your life not immediate acceptance or approval by men and, you know and we live in this influencer culture this 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 chasing of acceptance and visibility and image And that's what the writer of Proverbs is is getting at. It's like, you know what? That's a trap, all right? In the end, it's a trap, right? Getting the approval of people, wanting people to like you, right? Like you, follow you, right? It's dangerous because in the end, it doesn't matter if the life that you lived was approved of by men. That's gonna be the wood, hay, and the straw in the time of testing. Authentic believers become like Christ. Authentic believers know that that, that God's truth prevails and if God's truth prevails, I'm gonna fear God who tells me the truth versus the culture out there which tells me lies about how I should be, how I should believe, and how I should behave, right? It's a trap. So. The first thing, the way we live this out, what Jesus is saying, because God's truth prevails, don't play to people. Secondly, because God's truth prevails, don't blend Christ with culture. Okay, there's, there's sources that you can turn to that you let into your heart and mind that influence how you're gonna make decisions. And if you own a digital carnivore, I mean a smartphone, you're going to get bombarded, okay, by culture, right? The world, Jesus called it, cosmos in the Greek, right? And that's the system that we live in where there's a way to be and a way to believe and a way to behave without Christ, okay? And in that world in culture, cosmos, that culture that we're, we're plopped in the middle of, right, It's going to message, here's how you're supposed to be. Here's what you're supposed to believe. Here's how you're supposed to behave out of the, the beliefs that are all godless, right? Now, how does Jesus speak into that? I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. He says this to his guys in John 15 in their final conversation before he goes to the cross. He says this, if you belong to the world, cosmos, culture, it would love you as its own. As it is? You do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world and that is why the world hates you." You see that, that pressure? when When you're a Christ follower living in a culture that is godless, then there's going to be a collision, right? And God saved us out of that godless culture and he put us in Christ So we could have a relationship with God and now we began our life in Christ we're building on our life in Christ we're making choices right and and yet there's this pull always there's this pull of culture and here's what happens with men right there is who we were over here And we got kudos for this, kudos for that, kudos for this. There was a way to be, be, believe and behave. And then there's our life in Christ. And that is a very different way of being, a very different way of believing and what to believe and a different way of behaving, right? We have a new identity. But then what happens is, is we try to blend our old life with our life in Christ. And Jesus says right here, not gonna happen. Don't even try it. Don't try to do that. There's no such thing as a Christian materialist. There's no such thing as a Christian hedonist. There's no such thing as a Christian narcissist. Hedonism, narcissism, and materialism, it's all about you. It's all about your stuff. right? It's all about self-gratification over here in the world. People, men, try to blend that with this. Okay? And Jesus goes, no, I rescued you out of that over to this. And guess what? Those people aren't going to like that change. They're not going to like that. In fact, um, that you become a light, that is darkness. You're going to become a light in that darkness. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy material things. It doesn't mean that we can't have fun or do adventures. We don't become. We don't all become monks, right? Uh, and it doesn't mean that we have a healthy pride and satisfaction in achievement. That's not what Jesus is saying. Well, what is he saying? Those aren't identities. Okay, you can't make those things your identity. They were before. They were your identity before. You were a material man. You were a pleasure man. Uh, you were a power man. You're none of those. That's not your identity. You are a Christian, you are God's man. Now, and don't try to blend. So, don't play to people, don't blend Christ with culture. Right, third, don't retreat from risking for God. You see, this is the whole context of Matthew 10. He's talking about what it means to be a disciple or a follower of Christ, and he's saying, you're gonna be like me, and if you're gonna be like me, they're gonna treat you like me, and they're gonna label you and put an identity on it. but don't fear them. Okay, instead, knowing that you're gonna become like me, knowing that the truth prevails, all right, you're gonna risk for me under pressure. Now in the Bible, um, we read in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, people who risked for God, what does that mean to risk for God? It means to commit to doing something without knowing before the fact what's gonna happen based on God's word tell stories all through Hebrews chapter 11 of these people who said, you know what? This will show love for God or for people. I'm going to do that. I don't know what's going to happen. If I do it, I'm going to do it anyway because God says to do it. They don't know what the outcome is going to be before the fact, right? They have to do it. All right. Now the Bible says that this is what an authentic believer does. They don't retreat from risking for God, acting, before knowing what the outcome is, on the instruction, promise, or truth of God's word. Look at what it says in Hebrews 10. It says this, My righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. But to those who have faith, and are saved. So, we all know if we've done a little bit of reading in the Bible, we see Jesus interacting with the centurion, right? What does he do? He says, you know what? I'm under authority. You say the word, my servant will be healed, right? Never in all Israel have I seen such great faith. God loves faith. The Bible says without it, it's impossible to please God. And if you're a parent, you know this. I mean, let's just Talk about what it means to be a parent and your kid trusting you, right? Jump off, I'll catch you in the pool. They don't know if you're gonna catch them or pull your hands away. (laughs) But then they trust you and you catch them, right? And the Christian life is coming to moments, coming to ledges of commitment and just going, all right, um, based on what God wants me to do, he's, he's saying, just jump, okay? obey me in this situation do that thing right now that shows love for me and 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 do that thing for that person that shows love for them and 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 to take a risk for God and and that pleases God but there's also behaviors in the moment when he calls us to take a risk for him to step out in faith to lean in to do that thing in faith that shows love for God and people in those moments, there's behavior that that displeases him, like he. And, and the Bible says it right here. He says, "And I, God, take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back." And the idea is really simple, um, men. You know, when you got a power behind you that is greater than anything in front of you, that power and person behind you, the Lord, right. And is is thinking, well, why aren't they, you know, I'm, I prevail. I'm the judge in the end. I'm, the truth prevails, right? They're going to become like my son. What, what's the, why? So it's just that awareness. You can put it into just a human vernacular. And if I'm, you know, with my buddy, Greg Monk, who did the series called The Guide. If you haven't seen it, go see it on the Everyman platform. But when I'm with Greg, man, the dude 6'5, he's a combat promoted Marine. You know, if we ever, you know, get into a little dance somewhere with some dudes, I'm feeling pretty confident. Because <laughs> I have Greg with me. Now, elevate that and just go, listen, what do I have to be afraid of? Fear God, not people, right? Don't play to people. Don't blame Christ with culture. Don't retreat from risking for God. Jesus says, you're salt right? You're light. You're a fragrance of Christ. I've delegated my spiritual authority. I've given you the keys to the kingdom, right? And given you the authority to bind and loose. That means I I can come into a space and shift that space as I risk for God toward him and toward his purposes. Now, do we need to be wise about that? Do we need to be discerning about that? Do we need to be available and praying? 100% right? But you're called to be salt, light, and a fragrance of Christ, where you work, where you live, where you pray, where you play. Don't retreat, right? Doesn't work out for you in the end, all right? So those are the three don'ts. Don't play to people. Don't blend Christ with culture. Don't retreat from risking for God. Now let's look at the do's, all right? Uh, Do speak God's truth consistently, okay? That's who you are. If you're a Christ follower, that's who you are, And when you know who you are, I'm a Christ follower, I know what to do and I know what to say. I don't have to know it all. I just need to say what I know is true, right? I mean, Jesus, that's why he said in verse 27 of Matthew 10, he says this. We're going to put it on the screen. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon The house 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 tops right so there is that element of hey jesus has conversations with me he shares his words his life his truth his promises with me truth prevails so i'm going to speak truth i'm going to do it in a in a loving way i'm going to do it in a gracious way but i'm going to do it in a consistent way i'm going to speak god's truth because guess what in the end his truth prevails okay so speak god's truth consistently the second do is do live god's way confidently right this goes to having a right view of god right he's big he's powerful and he loves me and he's for me and his truth prevails right so my my life in god and either the insecurity or confidence I live, is all based on my view of God, right? If I have a high view of God, if I let God be who the Bible says he is, if I internalize that, man, I'm walking tall. I'm not compromising. Jesus is the dominant force and he should be because he's God, right? He's the vine, I'm the branch. He's the shepherd, I'm the sheep. He's the potter, I'm the clay. He's the creator, I'm the created, right? He's the precious possession, I'm the jar of clay, right? He's powerful, he's in me, I live God's way confidently. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 16. It says, hey, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love, okay? And I wanna pound this home. You know what broken male culture promotes, it promotes strength without character, right? Strong and selfish, you know, broken alpha, right? That's the godless culture. In Christ, we can be strong too. The issue isn't strength, but it's what's guiding our strength, compassion, character love. And guess what, fellas? Can I just say something? That's what the world's waiting for. Not men who are weak, but men who are strong and loving, right? Where they know that if evil needs to be confronted, I'm the guy to do it. I deliver God's love and justice. I bring what's due to a situation. If compassion is due, I bring compassion. If protection is due, I bring protection. If truth is needed, I bring truth. If discipline is needed, I may may need to bring some discipline into the situation. But you see how that's different, right? Jesus is Alpha and Omega, right? Comes together, tough and tender, strong and servant-oriented, right? Courageous and compassionate. Strong and loving. I love that passage. Let me just exhort you. Live for God confidently today, right? Live strongly in who you are, your identity, right? But you know what's really going to be the light in this is if you're strong and loving, if you're dangerous with goodness, okay? The third do is do identify with Jesus publicly, okay? Now, later on in Matthew 10, based on all these certain future realities that he's sharing with his guys, You're going to be like me the truth is going to prevail we got two more to go he's like okay based on on these promises i'm telling you how it's going to work out in the end i'm going to stay number one in your life and you're going to identify with me publicly listen to what he says in matthew 10 32 to 33. he says everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth i will also acknowledge before my father in heaven but everyone who denies me here on earth i will also deny before my father in heaven. Wow. Okay. Am I with you or am am I not with you? Right? And in a relationship, you know, that's, that's key. You know, you, you say you love me, you talk like you do, you, um, you speak like you do, but you don't confess me as your Lord and as your savior. Hello. Wait a minute. Whoa. What, what, what's happening here? You detach from your identification with me under pressure? How does that work? How does that make Jesus feel? How does that make anybody feel? You know, where you declare your love and your commitment and then under pressure you deny your love and commitment? An authentic believer versus a synthetic believer confesses Christ no matter what. You confess Jesus before men. You know, I say it all the time, don't have to be weird about it. Just say, man, I'm a practicing Christian, so this is what I believe. You know, people will respect you for it. We don't do anybody any favors when we dilute our identification with Christ. In fact, it confuses them. They're like, "Wait, you go to church on Sunday, don't you? Aren't you in one of those men's groups? Aren't you, you know?" And then over here, you're 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 silent, or your behaviors kind of indicate that you you're a little bit of both in the world and in the Word, and that's confusing to people. All right, let's be who we are. So we speak God's truth consistently. We live God's way confidently. We identify with Jesus publicly. Jesus publicly died for you. You can publicly confess him. Can I get an amen out there in the live stream community? All right. Because the truth prevails, okay? And we're not going to live a lie. We will not be, as God's men, a part of a lie. Doesn't matter what people who label us say, doesn't matter what culture says, doesn't matter what it says on cable news, doesn't matter what's going on over here in a godless culture that has a system of being and believing and behaving that is without God, what they say about us, it doesn't fly in the end, right? Justice for man comes from the Lord. So I'm exhorting you, man of God, you stand tall, be on the alert, right? Stand firm in the faith. Act like a man, okay? Be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Man, I just love scripture. This is the truest things about, the truest truths about me are what God says is true. And that's, that's the power of truth, okay? In the end, it prevails. So here's my final encouragement. We will not live a lie. We live no lies when we love and live God's, in God's truth. Right? You can love God's truth, you can know God's truth, you can speak it, but not live in it, okay? And that's a terrible place to be. It's terrible now, it's terrible when you're tested in the end and your life is tested and God just simply asks, hey, what did you do with the life that I gave you after you came to know my son? Did you build on it using gold, silver, precious jewels, right? Did you build on it with the words of Jesus? Or were they just an accessory that you used conveniently in the moment to get attention or acceptance or approval from men? When you're you're with Christians, you talk Christian. When you're with non-Christians, you don't even bring me up. It's not even a part of your lexicon. So we can love truth. We can know truth. We can speak truth and not live in truth. The key is in the living. But... When you love it, when you know it, when you speak it, and when you live it, listen, you know what you have there? Integrity. And that's your power. Man, we respect guys who are the real deal. We, we respect people, regardless of whether they're a believer or not believer man. If they walk the walk and talk the talk, there's a, there's a level of respect. At least he's consistent, right? If he wasn't, he'd be confusing and we wouldn't respect him. Now, when it comes to this issue of integrity, we got to look at Jesus because he not only knew God's truth and he, but he lived it out in front of men and his critics knew he had integrity. Listen to what his critics said to him. They said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Now, when we look at Jesus, this is what we can say about him. Because he knew God's truth, and he loved God's truth, and he spoke God's truth, and he lived God's truth, he got this label. You're a man of integrity. How did his critics define it? They said, Because you know what? You don't don't play the people and you don't pay attention to what they say. So not only is he telling this to the disciples in Matthew 10, he's living it out right in front of him. He's the model. And what Jesus models for us is meant for us. Jesus models being undivided between what we believe, the truth, and how we actually live and think. Someone who's divided between what they believe and how they live is a hypocrite. That's, Jesus had hard words for hypocrites. Read Matthew 23, it's it's just amazing. They appeared one way, but then they acted another way. And even with the disciples, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say, right? What I say is truth, but you don't do what I say. I'm your Lord, but you don't do what I say. See, see where we have to close that gap? Now, no one's gonna be perfect, on earth, we're not gonna be completely undivided between what we believe and how we live, but we're gonna shrink that gap. That gap between who we are and how we live is gonna get smaller and smaller and smaller for an authentic follower of Christ until it becomes a lifestyle of integrity. I'm the real deal, I walk the walk, I talk the talk, I'm undivided between what I believe and how I actually live and think. And even my critics will recognize it. They will respect me for it. They may disagree with me. They may label me, but that doesn't matter to me. I am consistent. I am a Christ follower. So dominant force, right? Jesus modeled it. It's meant for us. He spoke to the disciples and Matthew 10 says, don't be afraid. Okay? Don't play to people, don't blend Christ with culture, Don't retreat from riskings, but do speak my truth consistently, live for me confidently and identify with me publicly. All right? Now what I want to do now is just simply pray, pray over you and bless you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we can't live this way on our own. We have to ask God, to fill and lead and control us from the inside out, right? And Jesus said, the person who's going to keep Jesus, the dominant force in your life, is the Holy Spirit. And when we read the book of Acts, we see a group of men who'd been with Jesus, right? Three years, 12 guys. And then he says, go and wait. And then the power of the Holy Spirit comes on them, right? And you may be enjoying God. You may be um, knowing God's word, but you know, you need power. You need a real power to let Christ be the dominant force in your life. and so that's what I'm going to pray over you. Father right now in the name of Jesus. and maybe guys, you just want to turn your hands up to God to be get to be ready just with your body that that is a symbol of how your heart is right now. Father, we need your power. We can't we can't be a force for you if we don't have the force and power and guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus, you said that our entire life in you hinges on our partnership with the Holy Spirit. That Jesus, you wouldn't leave us as as orphans, but that your very spirit upon our belief in you as Lord and Savior would come into us and it would begin to animate our commitment. And so Holy Spirit, right now, fill us. Holy Spirit, lead us. Holy Spirit, control us. We don't want to play to people. We don't want to blend Jesus with culture. We don't want to retreat from risking. And the only way that we're going to speak truth, live confidently, and identify publicly with Jesus, Holy Spirit, is if you're filling, controlling, and empowering us. You are the dominant force, Holy Spirit. You're the one who's going to keep us living for God publicly, confessing Jesus publicly. So we release control of our lives to you, Holy Spirit. Guide us now. In Christ's name we pray and God's men said, amen. We'll see you next week.